Today, on this wisdom journey through the Bible, we come to Acts chapter 2. It's a passage that has confused Christians, and one that's often been misapplied. The coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost assures you that the Holy Spirit lives in you and in all true believers. If you embrace this truth, it'll affect your words, your thoughts, actions, and attitudes. Stephen Davey called today's lesson the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Several million people have jammed into the streets. They're they're packed into the alleyways of Jerusalem. They've they've come from all around the world to celebrate the, the feast of Pentecost. Pentecost was a celebration of the Jewish nation. It was celebrating the end of the harvest, but it also celebrated Moses uh, receiving the law on Mount Sinai, where there was fire and thunder from the presence of God. Now, the Greek word Pentecost means 50th, and it was celebrated 50 days after Passover. Now, unknown to that world, this Pentecost would be the dawning of a new dispensation marked by the harvest of the church, that first harvest of souls that will create the New Testament church. Now, Acts chapter 2 is the text that gives us the account of the Holy Spirit's arrival and the creation of the New Testament church. And let me tell you, there's going to be some fire and there's going to be some thunder. Now, keep in mind that in Old Testament dispensations, the Holy Spirit would come upon people to empower them temporarily for some specific task. Samson uh, is a good example of that. But Jesus had promised his disciples back in John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit would come to dwell in them and essentially be with them. So this is a brand new concept. The Spirit would enable believers from within, not just for amazing tasks, beloved, but for every task in life. So, what's happening here on this day of Pentecost? Well, we know that Jesus died at Passover. He was our Passover lamb, dying as a sacrificial payment for our our sin. Then Jesus' resurrection on the third day coincided with the Jewish feast of firstfruits, celebrating the firstfruits of the harvest. Now, none of this is coincidental. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20 that Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, just as this feast celebrated the first fruits of the harvest with more to come, Jesus' resurrection points, well, there's going to be more to come. There's a, there's a future resurrection of believers. Now, Acts chapter 2 describes the arrival of the Holy Spirit, and it's accompanied by three supernatural Signs, And I want this to be clear, beloved, because there's so much confusion today uh, regarding the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is often uh, mistakenly tied to a- an experience or some kind of special blessing for faithful believers. Well, we're about to learn that the Holy Spirit is God's gift to every believer. 
Now, as the Holy Spirit descends here on the day of Pentecost, the first sign is something audible. Verse 2 says, Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, this was not a wind. Catch this. This was a noise like a violent wind, similar to a tornado or a hurricane. Several years ago, we had a tornado touch down in our neighborhood and literally go through our backyard. My wife said it sounded like a train thundering as it passed us by. Now, frankly, I didn't, I didn't hear a thing because I slept through the, the entire event. When I go to sleep, I'm, I'm pretty committed. But what, uh, from what she described to me later, I, I can imagine this is the same kind of sound, this thundering sound the believers hear as they are here in Jerusalem for this festival. The second sign is something visible. Verse 3 says, Divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now, again, this isn't literal fire. It has the appearance of fire. I believe what's happening here is something the nation Israel understood because fire was the symbol of God's presence. This is the fire of the burning bush Moses saw. This is the pillar of fire that led the Israelites. God is authenticating his messengers with the sign of his presence. So something audible happens, something visible happens, and now something verbal happens. Verse 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Greek word translated tongues here is glossa, which gives us our word glossary. Another biblical word used to describe this experience is the Greek word dialectos or dialectes, translated language in verse 6. It gives us our word dialect. So, beloved, let me tell you, this this is not gibberish. This isn't a few strange-sounding phrases of a consonant-vowel, consonant-vowel. This is the preaching of God's Word in a language these men had never learned before. So, these supernatural signs point to the incredible significance that the Spirit of God has arrived. This is the start, the beginning of a new era a new dispensation, and a new organism called the church, a universal body of believers that functions and serves and gathers together in local assemblies or local churches. And now we're given the response of of these people who've packed into Jerusalem. The first response is amazement. Verse 6 tells us, at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, how are all these uneducated Galileans, which Galileans were known to be uneducated, how are they speaking fluently in all these languages represented among the crowd? And you have all these people from around the Roman Empire that are listed here for us in verses 9 through 11. So the apostles are are speaking everything from African languages to Aramaic to Hebrew to Latin to, to Greek to Italian dialects. 
the gospel is being preached in all these languages. Now, the second response here is bewilderment. Verse 12 says that they were all perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? This must have been quite a sight, beloved. Well, here's a third response in verse 13. It's mocking and and ridicule. Some were saying, well, they are filled with new wine. In other words, they're they're all drunk. Let me tell you, I've heard drunk people try to put one sentence together and they can't do it. They can't even stand up. So how are drunk men standing here speaking fluently in a variety of languages? Beloved, this happens to be a picture of the new church age as the power of the Holy Spirit through believers is going to reach every tongue, tribe, and nation. And keep in mind, this is a unique event. The Bible teaches us that today, every believer upon conversion is, a, is immediately baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, in one spirit, we were, past tense, we were all baptized into one body. So you were baptized. He's referring to conversion. This is a past tense event. It took place at the moment you were saved, whether you felt anything or said anything or not. And let me tell you, spirit baptism isn't some special privilege for very spiritual people. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In other words, you can't be a Christian without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's something else to keep in mind. The Apostle Paul writes that speaking in tongues is not a gift for every believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 30. You know, there are many people today trying to speak in tongues to prove they have the Holy Spirit. Listen, beloved, you already have him if you're a believer. You didn't just get an arm or a leg. Uh, You got all of them. The question is, Does he have all of you? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. That means be dominated by. Filled means be under the control of or under the influence of the Holy Spirit every day. Don't be be under the influence of wine, he says in that verse, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So every believer, well, might not be controlled by the Spirit, But every believer has been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 that that as a believer, your body happens to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. He indwells you today. When my children were young, sometimes I would tell them, well, now, if you behave your mother today and, and you don't drive her to the brink of insanity, I'll take you out for ice cream tonight after supper. Now, parenting experts would say you're not supposed to bribe your children. I'm not bribing them. I'm encouraging them. I think parenting experts need to learn the, the power of ice cream. But let me give you some good news, beloved. God does not do that with his spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't something you get if you've been good today. You already have him. The challenge is to live today in a way that demonstrates he has all of you. 
Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is such an important passage. I hope it helped you today. Stephen has a second daily program called Wisdom for the Heart. That program features his full-length sermons through books of the Bible. Acts is one of those books. If you want to go deeper in your study of Acts, all of Stephen's sermons— Both audio and manuscript are at wisdomonline.org. Visit there today. Then join us next time to continue along the wisdom journey.